Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. Allahu Akbar. In the name of Allah, the All-Merciful, He has taught the girl, the sun and the moon are bad, and the vine and the tree pot prostrate, so He raised the sky, observed the correct, He has placed it for so, O man, He had created man, I play, renewing, and created God, so, which of the bounty, He is the Lord of both, so which of the bounty, while there is a barrier between, so which of the bounty, from both of them comes the pearl and the pearl, so which of the bounty, and His are the sailing ships raised up in so which of the bounties of everyone who is on it and your Lord's country? So which of the bounties of Allah Akbar? MashaAllah, Alhamdulillah. So Alhamdulillah, we're blessed to have shared the words from Surah Al-Ra'ad. Inna Allah la yughayiru ma biqawmi hatta yughayiru ma bi'anfusihim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never change the condition, never change the status of the people until they themselves want it. Inshallah, in today's talk, as the brother just mentioned, we'll talk in reference to the ayah that Allah Azza wa Jal has mentioned in Surah Al-Ra'ad. Where Allah Azza wa says, Inna Allah la yughayiru ma biqawmin hatta yughayiru ma bi anfusihim. That Allah Azza wa do not change the conditions of the nations until they change what is within themselves, within their souls, within their hearts, within their... The way they make the decisions in the life. Before I go into this subject and, and from this ayah, We'll talk about the subject actually a little bit, which is linked to it, which is the today's youth, the Ummah's future. And it is one of the most important subjects for us to have a clear understanding of. I'll start off with thanking the sisters who recited the Qur'an and the translation and the meaning of the Qur'an of the Surah Ar-Rahman. The part of it that was recited, Jazakumullah khair, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them all. This ayah, or these ayat of Surah Rahman, <coughs> whenever they are recited, they always remind, remind me of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Even though this is not something I was going to talk about, but I have to talk about that first. Because it is very relevant to the subject in hand, which is the Ummah's future. The youth. The reason I'm talking about Abdullah bin Mas'ud because he was one of the Sahaba, one of the greatest Sahaba of Rasulullah. And even though 
His physical stature was weak. He was from a weak tribe. But when the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, when they were discussing among themselves in the times when the Muslims were going through very difficult times, in the Meccan era, when Rasulullah himself and the Sahaba, they were going through very difficult time. They were going through physical torture, mental torture, psychological torture. Some of them were martyred as well in the path of Allah Azza wa And they were not allowed to fight back at that time yet. At that time, Sahaba were talking to each other and they were saying that nobody has recited the Quran in the Haram yet. Who's going to go and recite Quran in the Haram? And this is a time when they were going through already very difficult times because of the revelation of the Quran. Because of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being appointed as the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba, they were going against the societal norms of that time. They did not give up. They did not give in any part of Islam so they can fit into the society of the Meccans. Even though they were Meccans, they were born there. They lived all their lives. The moment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as the messenger and they became Muslim, they changed their ways and they did not even try to compromise any part of the deen. Now talking about that event of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, when Sahaba were talking about that, who is going to recite the Quran in the Haram? Because they knew this is what the Meccans will detest the most. They will hate the most to listen to the Quran. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he got up and he said he will recite the Quran there. And he went into the Haram and started reciting the same ayah the sister was just reciting. Ar-Rahman Allam al-Quran. In the beginning, they were astonished because that was in their language. They were amazed by the structure of the Quran. And this is something that they were always very proud of, which is the language, the Arabic. They were amazed. But the moment they were reminded of, oh, what you were amazed of is the Quran. This is what was revealed to Muhammad wasallam. They started beating Abdullah bin Mas'ud. And they beat him up so much, he, was, fell, he, he fell unconscious. They brought him back. And that was a sahaba said to him that, this is what we were afraid of. This is what was going to happen to you. That's why we said, don't, don't, don't go there. But he persisted, he insisted. The thing that made him go was the aqidah of Islam. The iman in Allah Azza wa Jal. The belief in Islam being the haqq. That did not prevent him not to go and recite the Qur'an. He knew what it meant. And then he said, if you want, I will go tomorrow again. He did not stop there. He wants to go back again. Now the question comes in, in what's, what's going on today? That we can recite the Qur'an and nobody is bothered. There must be something different here. There must be something different. Either the ones who are listening to it, they are not aware of what they are listening to. Or it has been changed in a way 
the people look, are looking at the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal that came and changed the mankind, today they are looking at a different angle at the very same deen. And I would like to talk about that when we talk about this youth are the future of the ummah insha'Allah. I will leave it at this, that thought right now as is. I will not try to answer at this point. We'll go back insha'Allah to this thought. Now talking about the topic, but before I go, and by the way, before we were starting this talk, there was a brother here, he's the one who brought this up, the issue of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an. The Sahaba, when they were telling him not to go, one of the things they mentioned was, you are physically weak also. They used to make fun of his legs, thin, thin legs, chicken legs. They would refer to it like that. And Rasulullah when he heard about that, that they were making fun of him, he meant, told them that in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal, his legs are heavier than the mountain of Uhud. Subhanallah. What is the thing that made those thin legs weigh more than the mountain of Uhud? That's the iman that he was carrying. And not only saying that he believed in Allah Azza wa Jal, he was translating that into his life. He was implementing the, the ahkam that was coming out of the very same La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. That's what made him strong. So how can we make our youth strong like that? That's the question we should be asking now. So they become the real future that we want them to be. And when we say the future, let's break down this whole title of the talk first. Because when you're talking about the youth, what does it mean by youth first? Have a clarity of this. Because a lot of time we say things and we don't realize what we are saying and what we intend out of this. So when we say youth, youth is normally referred to somebody who is young, in the early age, he's strong. He's zealous. He wants to do things. And yet youth is normally referred to all the young men. And don't consider any one of you as old today. Every one of you can be young if you want to be. Many of us here, they hit 40, 50, and they start saying, Oh, we're old. We're 60 years old, 70 years old. Let me get break a news to you. What was the age when Muhammad wasallam participated in the first battlefield? And I'm not talking about prior to prophethood, after the prophethood. Because there was one battlefield, Rasulullah did participate prior to prophethood, but he was not the one who was fighting, he was only collecting the arrows. So the first battlefield was the Ghazbatul Badr. And that happened in the second year of the Hijrah. So Rasulullah was about 54, 55 years old in the first battlefield. And then next 10 years, he was participating in the battlefield. Until he passed away. We know that Fatah Makkah, the conquest of the Makkah happened in the 8th year of the Hijrah. That made him about 61 years old at that time. So the age is just a number that should not pull us back to do the things in our life. But of course, the youth is an important aspect of any nation. Everybody knows that youth is the future. Because they're the one who will be carrying the burden. But before we talk about the youth will be carrying the burden, let's talk about what does it mean by a Muslim youth? Because we are talking about not just any youth. We're talking about a Muslim youth. Who is a Muslim youth? 
or a young man or a woman. It means the one who believes in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who believes in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam being the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who believes that the right and wrong, halal and haram, only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who believes in the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who believes that he has to be answered, he will be answered to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore we're talking about, when we're talking about just a youth, it's not any youth we're talking about today. We are talking about the Muslim youth. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he was given the messengership, the ones who really call, the answer the call of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, were the young ones. As a matter of fact, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in one of the, the, the hadith, take care of the youth. They were the one who responded to my call when nobody else was responding. So take care of the youth. And when we say youth, a young Muslim, many a times we hear these terminology, somebody hit the age of, he becomes a teenager, 13, 14, 15, goes to high school, and we start saying to them, oh, you have a life in front of you, now you can do whatever you want. And we pretend to forget something. To tell our young ones, it's not that you can do whatever you want at this point. Now, from now on, you are accountable for your actions. That's what it means by that, to hitting the adulthood. We don't go by, you have to be 18 to be accountable for what you are doing. Islamically, you hit the puberty, now you are accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam talks about that the, the, the pen of Allah azza wa has been raised from three people. Who are those three people? One is a sabi. Until he hits the baluga. Until he hits the puberty. Wasabi means a young child. Or a person who is majnoon. The one whose mind does not work. Or somebody who is not in his senses in his sleep. Until he wakes up. So all those people are not accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Once the young child, male or female, they hit the puberty. Now the accountability starts. This is the way we should be raising our young ones. Not to say that now you can do whatever you want. Yes, they have the whole life in front of them, but they are, they are the ones who are accountable in front of Allah from there on. So now, when we talk about they are the future, that today's youth are the future for us, then today means the one who are the young ones here, and we want them to take the responsibilities of the future. So we want to prepare them. So it's not a one-way street that tomorrow, will, they will, in the future or the tomorrow, they will wake up and now they will become the leaders. No, the responsibility is on the people today who are taking care of those youth to raise them in a manner that they are able to be the leaders of the future. Now, another aspect within that title is the ummah. That they are the future of the ummah. So when we say the word ummah, some, many times people translate that into nation. And I hate to translate that into nation. Because nation has the connotation of qawmiyah. That as if we are talking about some qawm. Ummah of the Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is not restricted to a specific race or nation or a specific area. It is 
It is, it is the people who are connected by the ideology of Islam, by the aqidah of Islam, by la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. That's what connects us together. It's not skin color. It's not the language we speak. It's not the area we are from. It's not so-called, as I was talking to one of the brothers, talking about East Pakistan or West Pakistan turning into Bangladesh and Pakistan, or this or that, Palestine or Egypt or, or Syria or Lebanon and Jordan. Bilad Sham becomes four countries by side Pico agreement. The Kufar come and they draw the lines between the Ummah and now we find all those lines and boundaries as very sacred for us. That's not what it means by that. The Ummah has no boundaries like that. Anywhere in the world somebody says, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, that enters into the fold of the very same Ummah. That's what it means by the Ummah. And this is the Ummah that we are talking about that our youth will become the future of Allah Azza wa Jal mentions about this ummah as وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَتَ لِتَكُونُ شُهَدَاءَ لِلنَّاسِ That we have made you a just and the best nation that you will you be the witness over mankind. And وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا And Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is witness over you. What is that witnessship here? What are you becoming the shaheed or what are, witness of? What are the you are shuhada? What are we shuhada of? We are the shuhada. We are the one who are supposed to provide the justice to the mankind. This is what our job is. When you talk about the ummah, that's what the ummah is. The very same ummah, Allah Azza wa Jal, referred to us as the best ummah raised for the mankind. This is the ummah we are talking about. So now, this ummah. Ummah's future we are talking about. And when we talk about the future of this Ummah, we are actually talking about the future of the mankind. Why? Because this is the job of this Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam to lead the world. And that has to be in our minds all the time. If we do not understand who we are, we will not be able to reach out for the, those goals. So we have to know who we are first. So when we are trying, trying to say that today's youth are the future of the ummah, so what we are trying to say is, today maybe they look, they are young kids, but we are trying to nurture them in the manner that they will be ready to lead the world. So we are nurturing, we are raising the leaders of the world. Leaders of the world who will be carrying the da'wah of Islam. Who will be carrying the message of Allah Azza wa Jal to the people so we worship nobody but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The nation that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa talked about is the one that says, Al-Mu'minuna ka rajulin wahidin in ishtaka rasuhu tada'a lahu sa'irul jasadi bil humma wa sahar. The hadith of Rasulullah says that the believers are like one body. If his head aches and the whole body feels the pain, feels the fever and the sleeplessness. This is what the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu is. And reminds me of the saying of a Sahabi, Rubay bin Amr radiallahu an. When he went to face Rustam, one of the generals of the Persian Empire. Rustam is a famous character in many of Indian subcontinent stories as well. If any one of us read, have read those, I have a background of that person who have read many of those stories as well. So Rustam was one of the generals of the Persian Empire. When we say Persian Empire, let's remember we are talking about 
a superpower of that time. And Rabbi ibn Amir radiallahu an, as the story mentions, he went to the, court, the, the tent or the, the, that was installed for him, for the army, and he was a general. And we know the Persian rugs, the famous rugs, they were famous at that time as well. And when we have some time, other, other time, we have time, inshallah, we'll talk about the stories about those rugs as well. But when he entered, he entered with all dust on him because he traveled. And he was representing the army in the Qadisiyah of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. And he entered there with the, with, the, with, the, with the sword that was wrapped with some cloth, not even a nice sheath. And he was dragging on the carpet in a manner that it was cutting the carpet. That was sufficient enough to put the terror in the hearts of the Persian Empire at that time. He went up to him and Rustam said, why are you here? Why are you here? Because for him, they looked at the, the Arabs of that time as these are Bedouins. They don't have nothing. Let me give them some clothing, some, some money and they will go back. And he said he will give them to each soldier who is with him some money and some clothing to them to go back. They, he did not want to fight. That's how they looked down. That's how much they looked down at the Arabs at that time. And that time, he said, and I'll, I'll give the meaning of it. He said, the reason we are here, he said, indeed, Allah Azza wa has sent to us. For what? To take the slaves out of worshipping the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Towards the worshipping of the Rabb of all the slaves. From the narrowness of this dunya to take him out to the vastness, the spaciousness of the dunya and the akhira. And the oppression to take the people out of the oppression of all the other ways of lives into the justice of Islam. That's what the Ummah of Muhammad is about. So that's what we are talking about our youth to be responsible of. And that's what we are responsible of. So let's not think of this. Oh, we talk about future, we, the youth are the future of the ummah. It means that I don't have to do anything. Put the burden on the youth. They will do something for us. No. We are all accountable in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Today, we are accountable. We are adults. And we have to raise our children in the manner that they become the leaders of the world. Not only of the Ummah, Islam, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Before I go there to talk about all this, it will be... Uh, how much time I have? So I would know. Okay. Uh, it will be injustice for me to talk, not to talk about what is happening around us. It is very important for us to know what's happening around us. So our youth will be prepared and we should be prepared for that. The incidents that I want to talk about that should be in the minds of the people, besides the Muslim world that's going through all the trauma, all the tragedies, all the wars that are going on. I want to talk about even the United States. The mass shooting that happened. Uvalde, Texas, a couple of days ago. 19 elementary school kids, they were killed for no reason. And the killer is an 18-year-old high school student. 19 kids and two teachers were killed, besides the 18-year-old. 
I was not long ago, another 18-year-old did the mass shooting in Buffalo. For what? For white supremacist ideology that he was carrying? Or whatever he was brainwashed with? And he ended up killing 10 people. And he was after, especially about the, after the African-Americans. And not long ago in Chicago, by the Beans culture on Michigan Street, a 16-year-old was killed by a 17-year-old. Look at the age group that who was involved in this kind of a heinous crime. It makes you, literally makes you cry to even think about that. What is happening here? The only thing that reminds you of, and probably this, this, this hadith is probably circulating on the social network as well. That Rasulullah sallallahu says, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَّدِي لَيَأْتِيَنَّ عَلَى النَّاسِ زَمَانُ لَا يَدْرِ الْقَاتِلُ فِي أَيِّ شَيْءٍ قَتَلَ وَلَا يَدْرِ الْمَقْتُولُ عَلَى أَيِّ شَيْءٍ قُتِلَ لَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَّةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ The hadith says, Rasulullah is saying, by him in whose hand is my soul is, the time will come, that the killer would not know why he's killing, and the one who's been killed would not know why he was killed. Isn't that the time that we are living in today? Isn't that what is happening? Even those 18 year old, 17 year old, and in some cases you will find even younger than that, who are involved in that. There is a hopelessness have been created in today's time that was causing people to live like that. On CNN, I was watching the news about the mass shootings that have happened until the month of May in United States alone. 201, 201 mass shootings. And mass shootings means four or more people have been either killed or injured. That is the definition of mass shooting. And 201 have happened already in, until the month, month of May, which is average of about 10 per week mass shootings that happen. And when the anchor was just trying to read the cities where these, the, the, these shootings have happened, it took them more than three minutes to just to mention the names of the cities. That shows that it is not happening in a couple of cities in the United States, rather it is spread out all across. And if it is happening all across, and it is not limited to some one class, one city, one location, one race, rather it's happening all across, then it is a systemic problem. You cannot just blame some sick person is doing that, or somebody just following some video games is doing that, or somebody who is desperate to do that, Oh, on and on and on, whatever reason we can give. But at the end of the day, it is happening in a manner all across. That is a systemic problem. And always remember, whenever we say it, we always hear this. Even Muslims, are Muslims, they all say, oh, it's a systemic problem. What does it mean by that systemic problem? If it's a systemic problem, then it needs a systemic solution. We cannot just say this, brush away this word, oh, it's a systemic problem. Well, if it's a systemic problem, then there must be a systemic solution. And that systemic problem is because of people have put Allah Azza wa Jal outside of their life affairs. What I mean by that is this. And we find sometimes even Muslims unknowingly saying the very same thing. That Islam, sometimes people will try to say, don't talk about politics in Islam. So Islam has nothing to do with policy as if. No, Islam is a comprehensive way of life. It deals with every aspect of life. That includes the politics.
But not the politics means you lie, or you give false promises, or you make a U-turn and then say, oh, this is part of politics. You make false promises and say this is part of politics. That's not Islam. That's not Islam. In Islam, if we look at the definition of politics, we find this was the job of the prophets. That Bani Israel were taken care by the prophets. The, the brothers who know the Arabic, they know this word, the root word of the Susohum, when he say, is the Sasa. And the Siasa comes from the very same root word. That's why you say Siasa to Hisan, the one who takes care of the horses. And when you say of the Siasa of the people, that's what the prophets were sent with. The hadith says that Bani Israel were sent with, by the, the prophets were doing the politics, taking care of the affairs of the people. If one prophet would die, the next one would take over. Until the hadith says, La Nabi Ba'di, and there will be no prophet after me. But there will be many khulafa. But they will be running the affairs of the mankind by Islam. That's what it means by that. So when we say that all the time, that we are the witnesses over the mankind, then we are the one who are supposed to be running the affairs of the people. And when we have taken Allah Azza wa Jal out of the, this equation of that He should be running, we should be running our whole life by the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we don't live by Islam when it comes to life affairs, then we have created a vacuum here in our lives. The vacuum is filled by what now? So now the people will be the one who will be deciding what is right and what is wrong. So remember when I talked about what is a Muslim youth? Muslim youth is the one who believe in Allah. Muslim youth is the one who believe in Muhammad sallallahu Muslim youth is the one who believe that the halal and haram only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right and wrong only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For all the affairs of life. Not a split personality. That when I come into enter into the masjid, that I have some Islamic personality. When I enter into my home, I have Islamic personality. The moment I go to work, moment I go and do my financial transactions, moment I do my any kind of other outside the, the house in the masjid transactions, I'm back to the man-made laws. That's the definition of secularism. That's not Islam. That's the thing that is causing the misery to the mankind today. Because now we are living by the whims and the desires of few in some cases one, in some cases majority. But at the end of the day, it is the creation of Allah Azza wa Jal whose rules and regulation we are following now. Now remember the statement of Rabbi ibn Amir when he said to Rustam, that we have the people who have been sent to you by Allah Azza wa Jal to take the people out of worshipping the people and take them to worship the Rabb of the Ibad, Rabbul Ibad. That's what it means by that. If we don't worship Allah Azza wa Jal the way He's supposed to be worshipped, we are going to go through misery. We are going to go through humiliation. Because what it means by that is we are taking part of the book and rejecting the other part of the book from Allah Azza wa Jal. أَفَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِبَعْدِ الْكِتَابِ وَتَكْفُرُونَ بِبَعْدِ فَمَا جَزَاهُ مَنْ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ إِلَّا خِزْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا if you take the part of the book and reject the other part, you will have humiliation in this dunya. And there will be a severe punishment waiting for you on the day of judgment. 
Isn't that what the people are going through today? Isn't that the misery the people are going through? Who is to be blamed for that now? Of course, whoever does the action is blameworthy of that. But we are the future, aren't we? We are trying to create the future for the mankind. That's what we're talking about. So youth is the future of the mankind. We want to have our youth to not to be only leading the Muslims. It's not the youth. It's just when we say it's the future, so he will come and grow up and run the masjid or run the school, a Saturday school or Sunday school. Oh no, we have grown up quite a bit. So instead of Saturday, Sunday, we're going to have our own high schools now. Is that what the future means? Or is it more than that? Or is the future means we are going to have our future best doctors, best engineers, best businessmen, the one who can make the most money in the world? Is that what the future we're looking for? If that's the case, then the non-Muslim does the very same thing. How are we different than them? If our goal is just to have a capital gain in this world, don't take me wrong that I'm not trying to say not to be the best engineer, best doctor, best businessman, best aqari, best hafizul Quran, best, best alim and all and all. Do all those things. But let's not lose the focus. Our focus is what? To worship Allah Azza wa Jal. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants, him to, wants us to worship Him. Now, when we talk about this future personalities that we are trying to make, we are trying to say that youth are our future. If we don't even know what future we are looking for, we will not be put them on the track. We have to know what the future we are looking for. Is this our, in, my, in my mind, our mind, or all of us together sit together and think of what future we are looking for? Or we are commanded by Allah Azza wa Jal. Look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a very clear formula to be successful in this dunya and in the akhirah. That's the purpose of creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have not created the mankind and jinn kind and the mankind for anything but to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. That's the purpose of the creation. And we have to know what, how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala means that our individual life, our communal life, our societal life, all have to be according to commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to do that, our job is to be the one who not only lead ourselves, but the whole mankind and take them out of the misery that they are in. At this time, we are at the time, it almost feels like as if we are at the brink of destruction of the mankind. And why am I saying that? When you talk about, when I talked about all these mass shootings that are happening, and we talk about this also, oh, this is exceptionalism of United States. Let's not forget that today, United States is the leading nation of the world. And they are leading all of us in the same direction. And never ever think that all those things which were talked about, whether it's mass shooting, whether it's alcoholism among the youth or the adults, or the drug, drug substance, substance abuse, or the suicide rates that are happening in the world. Oh, this is for the kuffar. We are all impacted by the very same society. Unless we have something more powerful to defend it with. Which is the aqidah of Islam. The understanding of the prophet, the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the only way. And that it has to be implemented. To take the people out of this misery that they are in. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. In Surah Al-Imran. وَعَتَسِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعٌ وَلَا تَفَرَّقُوا This ayah 
in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that hold on to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do not get into differences was revealed for the Aws and Khazraj. One of the, the cause of revelation talks about they used to fight with each other all the time prior to Islam. Allah is reminding them وَذُكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ إِذْ كُنْتُمْ عَدَاءً فَعَلَّفَ بَيْنَ قُلُوبِكُمْ فَأَصْبَحْتُمْ بِنِعْمَتِهِ إِخْوَانًا Allah is reminding them that remember that ni'mah from Allah that you were enemies to each other. And Allah is the one who brought the love among your hearts and made you brothers. وَكُنْتُمْ عَلَى شَفَى حُفْرَةٍ مِنَ النَّا فَانْقَذَكُمْ مِنْهَا you were about to enter into the pit of the fire. We've saved you. I, we can see that today, the mankind is at the brink of destruction. And the only solution is again, comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's up to us that we become those people who will guide the mankind and save them from the destruction that they were heading towards. And I will... Not make it too long today. I'd like to have some discussion inshallah as well. want to remind you of just one more thing. Which is when we are trying to raise our youth. Make sure we understand. And the youth who are listening. They should understand. What is our job? Our job is to be the leaders of the mankind. To lead the people towards Allah Azza wa Jal to show the mankind how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when I say worship, remember always, it's not just symbolic, ritualistic worship only, even though that's part of the worship. Salah, zakah, hajj, all these things are, these are the pillars of Islam. They have to be there. But worship in Islam is inclusive of all our actions. They have to be according to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that can only happen when we implement the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a state. So there has to be a clarity in our minds. Because this is what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam did. If we don't work in that direction, if we don't understand our goals, that what kind of a leadership we're supposed to have, we will never be able to attain what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. As Umar bin Khattab radiallahu an, he said, and I will end my the, the talk with this. Rasulullah Umar bin Khattab said, Verily, we were a disgraceful nation. We were disgraceful, talking about the Arabs in general at that time. And Allah honored us with Islam. And if we seek honor from anything besides Islam, that which Allah Honored us, Allah will disgrace. Inshallah, if there's any questions or comments about the talk, uh, I will try to answer them. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.